0: The Mistress of the Elements commands you to listen to us visit the past.
1: <clears throat> Welcome to a special bonus episode of Mutant Musings. Woo! With Resurrection upon us and the X-Men getting revamped and restarted with new number ones, I thought we'd do a retrospective on our own love of the X-Men, how we got started loving them, and how it's been up until today. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me as always is Magneto, Master of Magnet, Patty.
0: Magnets, how do they work?
1: Oh, and by the way, if this is the first time, your first time listening to this podcast, or you've simply forgotten since last time, we curse a whole lot, so there's your fucking warning. Fuck. Uh, We're going to go through kind of our our childhoods, because that's... Our
0: origins, if you will.
1: That's where our love from the X-Men stems from. We haven't put this on the podcast before, like gone through exactly our kind of like nerd cred and (laughs) what got us loving the X-Men and comic books in general to begin with. So I'm going to start out because I'm a little bit older than Patty. Um, and
0: worldly and wise and, you know, he's got eight years of experience on me. So. It's
1: seven years and, and 50 weeks to uh-huh, be exact. Yeah, exactly yeah. seven years and 50 weeks. So,
0: yeah, he's only seven years older than me, guys. So, f- we're not going to round those two weeks up.
1: And 50 weeks.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, so my love for comic books actually stems from... When I used to go to garage sales with my grandmother, my my grandparents raised me and like on the weekends in our town, like in the spring and in the summer, there were garage sales all over the place. So... My grandmother would, you know, would ask me to come along. I was like 5 or 6 when that started. And we just go drive around basically and look for garage sales that were happening. You know, you see all the tables and shit set up in somebody's driveway and you know she'd look through all this like old junk and I'd be there too. I'd just be looking at like toys or video games or whatever. And then I remember when I was 6, I discovered comic books. Uh, I don't remember previously hearing about them or seeing them. I was into video games up until that point. Just the NES was out because this was like around 1990, 1991. So that's what I was doing. And then I remember the first comic book I, gar- I got at a garage sale was Firestorm, the Nuclear Man. It was a DC book, which I'm uh, very yeah. sad to say. Not a huge fan of DC, but that's that's another podcast for another podcast. So yeah, so you know, there's this guy in this like orange, yellowy costume with fire, and I'm like, well, this is fan fucking tastic. And you know, what do I know of stories at that point, or writing, or comic books, or heroes, or anything? You know, my hero was a little Italian guy in a red hat jumping on goombas, Who's and. That? <laughs> and this little blue guy shooting lemons from his arm, who's that uh so uh sonic? sonic the hedgehog, yeah, actually, I, I you do. might have heard of him,
0: yeah, Sonic the hedgehog just you know he shoots things, that's what he does That's right? his superpower he shoots
1: coins, right yes. that's his whole thing yeah, that, that's no, it. Uh, no, he shoots rings that's that's it, that's Is his it thing. no,
0: I think it's I think it's mushrooms
1: he shoots mushrooms, yeah, okay, all right, into his arms. <laughs> So, you know, once I got that comic, I started going to more gar- garage sales with her, and that's what I was look- on the lookout for now. You know, it was video games and, and comic books, and I don't know, you know, now I look back and I'm like, yeah, fuck, you know, I never, never picked up New Mutants 98. Uh, big regret of mine. Um,
0: Except he <clears throat> bought it for Christmas for me. But it was graded and it was probably much more expensive than it would have been if he had picked it up in 1991.
1: Uh, Yeah, actually, (laughs) you know, when I when I would go to comic book stores and look through like the back issue bins, I don't think I ever saw it. Uh, I'm sure it was up on the wall and there were like ads inside comic books for like back issues. And like New Mutants 98 was going for 10 bucks back in like the early mid 90s. And I'm like, oh, you stupid. Stupid motherfucker! I was so young and so dumb. So then, uh, before I started noticing all these comic book stores that were springing up, which they which they were um, not like there are now. Obviously, they're they're kind of few and far between, but they used to be everywhere. There was there is this, a small convenience store in my town. And they had this, like, you know, little spinning rack, and they had comic books bundled together in, um, you know, those, like, clear plastic bags, and they were, like, they would come three at a time, and you knew what, like, one was on one side and what the other one was on the other side, but you didn't know what the one in the middle was. Jonathan,
0: could you also call that two? You would know what two of them are? Yeah. Would one and one also be considered two?
1: I'm sorry. (laughs) Was I, trying to, was I trying to talk and like, you know, kind of relive my past? And thanks for just jumping in and bothering my shit.
0: You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. So
1: I remember distinctly first seeing the cover to X-Force number five. This is volume one. Again, this was like the end of 91 or the beginning of 92 when I saw this. And for those of you who don't know, on the cover of that, it's Liefeld's art which is timeless, yes, to say the least. Yes,
0: it is, it is still...
1: <laughs> Many adjectives yes, that we could use. Yes, uh, it's renowned. Timeless being one of them. Uh, and so th- you, had the, you had the Blob, you had Sauron, you had Toad, you had Fantasia, and you had Pyro, and I didn't know who Pyro was, and I thought that this looked kind of like Firestorm, but for some reason I thought that this guy looked cooler, probably because of the villains he was surrounded by. So I was like, I gotta get that shit. Um, is that
0: when your lifelong boner for pyro began? That is
1: exactly when it began. That is that is I couldn't even pop a boner yet, <laughs> but that is when the boner began. <laughs> I just hit hit puberty right there and the rest is history.
0: And your balls dropped right, right <laughs> yeah. in the right in the uh, convenience store.
1: But uh you know then comic book stores were were everywhere I don't know if they just sprang up overnight but this is when I noticed them you know I live in this you know shit little square mile town called Orradell, and we're next to this town River Edge there we're next to another town Westwood a couple of towns over there's Park Ridge and there was, there was a comic book store in each of these towns, all within, you know, what, like five, not even ten mile radius of me, there's a whole bunch of comic book stores. And so, you know, this was a big thing. Visiting them all the time, you know, this became my hobby. Like, I loved video games, but I wasn't like a hardcore gamer. I would get into a few video games and obsessively played them, but I was more into comic books. And that issue of X-Force drew me into the world of mutants. And this is where my love of mutants started from. Because, you know, obviously through the other comics I read, I knew of Batman, I knew of Captain America, Iron Man, and all that. And, you know, so you had, like, a bunch of heroes that got hit with, like, gamma radiation, super soldier serum, or were just, like, really fucking smart and good with machines. But Boring. Yeah, I mean, what the fuck? You know, like, is that going to happen to me? Am I going to go take a trip to space and get bombarded with, you know, fucking space rays and then come back and have, like, elastic skin? Don't, don't interrupt space me again. Space rays. Don't interrupt me again. That's what they're called. You go on NASA's website and you tell me they say something different. Space rays, all right? So what if you get hit with the Bluetooth? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Listen, Bluetooth rays. I'm gonna to turn that Bluetooth. on my. F- I'm gonna turn that on my phone right now. I'm gonna hit you with some Bluetooth. <laughs> so stop it. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna interrupt the fuck what out of you Blu-rays? when you are talking. What?
0: Blu-rays. That's what comes
1: out of the Bluetooth. It's the Blu-rays.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. What about the Blue Jays? Oh my
1: God. <laughs> The Blue Jays are the ones carrying the (laughs) Blu-rays from the Bluetooth. Why do I have to explain science to you? You went to school? (laughs) God. Anyway. (laughs) Um, The whole thing that got me with X-Force is the fact that they were mutants and the fact that they were uh, born with powers. And, you know, they were already a little older. They were, what, in their, like, teens or 20s or whatever? And, you know, they they were born that way. And so I thought... That I could be one too. Like maybe when I get a little older, I'm gonna shoot some fucking eye beams out of my penis or something like that. And uh, you know, I can. Would they still
0: be called eye beams if they were coming from your penis? No,
1: it's pee <laughs> pee <Pee-pee-pee-pee-pee> beams. Pee 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 beams. Oh god, this is. We're not even ten minutes in and it's already over. Um, <laughs> so um, so yeah, so that's where that's where my love for. Uh, mutant started and although i did read x-men comics and x-factor and i would pick up some issues of of that i was really into x-force and i was regularly picking up issues of those every month and i was also looking occasionally for back issues of new mutants but we didn't have like how we how we have it today you can go online you can order all this shit or you can download it or do whatever the fuck you have there are a lot more ways of getting your hands on older comic books to like what I thought when I was a kid if I didn't see it at a comic book shop I just figured okay I can't fucking get it and then there would be there would occasionally be like these like little shows at um like VFW places in towns nearby they would have like boxes full of comic books and I was able to find stuff that way um but yeah I was completely obsessed with with mutants with the x-men i remember drawing uh my art was always really shitty today i still can't draw for shit but i used to do it i used to do it a lot and i would make like mother's day cards for like my mother and my grandmother and it'd be like happy mother's day from x factor and so i would draw fucking like wolfsbane and multiple man and strong guy and they'd all be like happy mother's day and it would be like really stupid and uh yeah so you know so i love the x-men so you know that um that continued, and uh, you know, then I would notice that there were these uh, trading cards uh, by the registers when you check out. And so, like, it it wasn't like it was like Fleer was putting them out. There were other companies. I looked, uh, there were Skybox and Impel. I I don't know, but like every year, there was these different series of Marvel trading cards. They had the fancy ones, which looked like you know paintings, which were Marvel Masterworks, and they also had. Uh, X-Men cards, uh, just X-Men series cards. And I collected those, and I still have like 10 or 15 binders at least full of Marvel trading cards. And I pulled a few out. I haven't touched them in at least half of my life, just full of all these cards. And some of them, like the earliest ones I have are from like 91. And so it was really cool looking back at those before we recorded this. It was like within the past couple of days, I pulled them out and I looked at them and you know, the original X-Men were still X-Factor. It hadn't switched over to Havoc's like government team yet. Fucking... I have probably the first trading card of Deadpool. And his real name listed on the back is still unrevealed. So this was right around the time he first appeared. And I decided for shits and giggles uh, to look it up online. And somebody has it graded. And it was like he was selling it for like $150. And I'm like, oh shit, well, you know, maybe some of these are worth something. X-Force, they have like the team cards. X-Force are listed up uh, as uh, rookies. You know, it's it was, it was really cool to just kind of relive all of that. Um and of course there was some shittiness too. There was an X-Men game on the NES which is like one of the saddest video games of all time. Just to give you a little bit about this and then I'm going to give it over to Patty for a little bit. This game was released in 1989. I didn't write down what company released it, but the development team to this day is still unnamed. Like these people knew they did not want to take responsibility for this thing. So it was sort of like a top-down perspective action game. And it looks like it has nothing to do with anything, let alone the X-Men. Like you're very tiny. You get to choose six from six characters. Storm, Iceman, and Cyclops all shoot these little squares, which are like supposed to represent their powers. Nightcrawler sort of, like, floats to be his teleport, Colossus is useless, he's really slow, and, like, when you push the jump button, he barely moves, there's fucking nothing to even jump over anyway. Wolverine isn't much better, the visuals are terrible, the music is terrible, like, what the fuck is happening? You know, I mean, maybe I was spoiled because I was already playing, like, Mega Man at this point, but this game was just awful, the music, the the bosses like I could you couldn't even tell who the bosses were and for some reason boomerang is listed as a boss like why is boomerang even in this game I don't know I played it every once in a while but it didn't feel like it was an x-men game and it was just absolute shit but that's fine you know that didn't really like sully my view of the x-men I still fucking love them so, next I'm going to get into the animated series, but this is around the time that Patty was born. So, yeah. I'm going to give it over to her, and I'm going to interrupt her and give her some facts about NASA and Thanks. science.
0: Okay, so, let's take a trip back in time, and if you're an X-Men fan, you've got to be used to that by now. That was That was a joke about... How much the X-Men love to time travel.
1: Oh, they, oh, they,
0: they do that a lot. Oh, yes. That
1: was a funny joke.
0: Thank you. And thank
1: you for explaining it. Too. You're welcome. That makes it more funny.
0: Yes. <laughs> so I have a special connection with the X-Men, as in their really popular television show animated series thing came out in 92, which is what I was born. Would that be
1: a connection with an x Like C-O-N-N-E-X-I-O-N?
0: Yes, it connects. Oh, I've got jokes too. Yeah, shut up. Oh, man. (laughs) So this show ran from 92 to 97. So it ran with new episodes until i was five so i mostly watched this show just like you know repeats or whatever on whatever channel it was playing i don't remember fucking anything from this show but i remember loving it as a kid i remember loving jean even though she had that stupid like headpiece i i hate that i don't know why they used to put it on like every character in the 90s i mean gambit still has it like what is it doing is it holding their head in place like
1: we wore that was the fashion at the time
0: uh, okay maybe i don't remember because i was born in 92 so um i don't know do you have anything to say about the show that's all i have (laughs) really (laughs) yeah i don't remember it i was born when it came out
1: yeah i mean i i loved the show uh it kind of you know some of my classmates it kind of got some of my classmates into not really comic books but just like comic book lore and the characters and the history of them and i kind of had an advantage there because all these trading cards that i was just talking about had like facts about the characters on the back and i literally studied those like i don't remember too much honestly about a lot of the comic book stories that i read from when i was a kid but I really took note of a lot of different facts about a lot of different characters. On the back of these cards, there'd be like a paragraph about them, you know, these interesting facts. It would go over like their powers, like how strong they were, how smart they were, their first appearance, their real names. So I had all this shit memorized. And so some of my friends watched it too. I thought it was cool when I was a kid. But I, me personally, and I, I, I'm sorry to anybody listening to this, like, I don't feel like that show has stood the test of time. Like, it's nice for nostalgia, but I feel like if you were to put some kids who are, you know, like, middle to late elementary school now watching it, they, I don't know if they'd be really into it. You know, a lot of the dialogue was corny, the animation is dated, and especially later on in the series – And the the
0: technology with like Jubilee breaking the VCR. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Well that's that's funny. Uh, but I know that they were trying to be a serious cartoon because they were like, "Oh, we're gonna kill off a like a, this main character right in the first episode," and that was Morph. You know, he was a twerp, but he was kind of funny. You know, I kind of liked when he went evil. But the last couple of seasons, when it really like went downhill, uh, by then I had already kind of stopped watching. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that in a little while. But um, yeah, they like outsourced the animation. The animation took a hit, and like they changed uh, at least one of the voice actors. Like for Gambit, he was like even worse. But I will say this about the animated series, they did a pretty good job of sticking to storylines from the comic books. Sure there was shit that was changed, but for the most part they did it like really well. They didn't take too many liberties with with it, and obviously it's a, a complaint from a lot of people now who like go and see these movies, it's like, "Oh, this isn't what happened in the comics." Like the person sitting next to me always says. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't remember exactly when I stopped watching, but I do remember trying to rewatch an episode or two from like later seasons when I got into like my mid 20s and YouTube was becoming a thing and like there was this episode with Cannonball that was just awful. Like he looked awful, he sounded awful. It's just I don't know, go back, just go back and watch that. But I was I, planning on it. I will say this though, there was this one episode that I watched, and I was drinking at the time. I was I was in front of my computer. Yeah, you know, I had I had a, some beers in me, and I'm like, oh, let me try to watch an episode. And uh, it was like a very Morlock Christmas, I think was the name of it. I cried. I I, I wept. It was, like, the sweetest, saddest story. Like, the Morlocks were trying to steal an ambulance from a hospital with all these medical supplies because, like, Leech was dying, and they wanted to save him, and the X-Men are trying to stop the Morlocks, and they're like, no, we need your help, and then Wolverine's like... I don't try to take the blood from me or whatever. Like, I don't want to see the kid get hurt. And then, I don't know, there's, like, some little green Morlock girl, and she's got this, like, tattered little Christmas tree and, like, oh, Jubilee, yeah. like, is, like, I don't know. I, it was just all really fucking sad. I don't know. I, I What I really liked as a kid, though, aside from, you know, it just being an X-Men cartoon, like, I was going to watch it regardless, was seeing some of the cameos that were in there. There was an episode with, like genosha and there was sunfire and feral and then there were other episodes that had like arc light and tusk in it i liked it when i was a kid but looking at it now it's just kind of ridiculous
0: it's probably the last time that they did anything useful with jubilee yeah in anything other than the comics yeah
1: that's true she's kind of been shot on in the movies
0: okay so technically the animated series was my first glimpse into the world of x-men But because I was so young while it was on and I don't remember anything from it, I only consider it a technicality. I consider my first real glimpse into the X-Men to be the X-Men Evolution cartoon. So let's fast forward a few years to the year 2000. Which will be more enjoyable now that we're far past our Y two K fears. <laughs> oh, oh you guys remember Y two K, oh, don't you? Zing. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was a kid, I was really shy and withdrawn. I was like the nerdy kid who used to like just during recess everybody would be playing and stuff and I would just be hiding behind my desk reading Harry Potter and like, uh, I was like the only kid who was still playing Pokemon and collecting the cards. I was playing video games. I was just like, you know, the weird kid who was really shy and never said anything, which is much different than who I am now, at least personality wise. I'm still into all that nerdy shit. So I felt like I was an outsider among outsiders. I mean, my only friends were like all the ESL kids who nobody liked And I mean, we were only friends because nobody else talked to us. (laughs) So, yeah, I felt like I was even an outsider amongst outsiders. So, when I saw X Men Evolution, I immediately clicked with Rogue how they um, were kind of like apprehensive about her because she used to be evil or whatever. So, there I was. uh, You know, I was eight years old. All my friends were waiting to be 11 to get their acceptance letter to Hogwarts. And I was too, but I was mostly waiting for my uh, mutant abilities to manifest so I could go to the Xavier Institute. Okay, so this show only lasted three years. I used to watch it regularly when it was coming out, but I must have stopped at some point. I didn't even know where to look to find a comic book store. I mean, I knew of comic books, obviously, but like I had never even seen one, you know, and this was. Between 2000 and 2003, you know, the comic book stores weren't as prevalent as they were in the 90s. Mm. Our internet was, like, dial-up, so it was really inconvenient going on the internet if somebody was calling or whatever. So I never got to use the internet, never thought to, like, look up where a comic book store was. I didn't get into comics when I was a kid, unfortunately, and I really wish that I did. I didn't watch all the episodes, so I did not... I did not get to see X-23, because she appeared in the show first, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I did not see her. So um, this show, it ended, and my love for the X-Men was quickly forgotten after a time. Yeah,
1: and I'm going to talk about this show, too, uh, uh, in a little bit, but like when this show was airing, I had pretty much stopped paying attention to comic books. The last... A couple of things that I remember, and this is like now in the mid-90s, is uh, the X-Men 2 Clone Wars video game, which I had for Sega Genesis, which I loved playing. I wasn't very good at it, but I, I loved playing it. Just it, was, it came out in 95, I think. It was a much better video game adaptation than that shitty NES game. Uh, and also, we used to have this uh, huge kind of like party place in the area called Sports World. It was basically, like, you know, just an entertainment center, like, in, uh, right off the highway. There were rides there. There were games, like, skee-ball and shit. Um, they had tons of arcades. They had, like, mini-golf. And, you know, I loved going there as a kid. Some friends would have, like, birthday parties there. And they had the X-Men arcade game. And I'm not going to be apologetic about it. I played as Dazzler on a regular basis because I thought she was badass. And I'll tell you what, because, like, you know, Cyclops, cool character, always thought he was cool. But, like, he had, like, this little eye beam and when when you use the mutant power colossus would like explode sort of and make this noise and wolverine did like laser claws like i was like what the fuck you know dazzler threw this beam of light like at the ground and exploded around her and i was like all right that's cool um so i used to play as her i fucking loved that game i'll get i'll get more into the arcade a a little bit later but you know that's one of the those two video games are like a couple of the last things that i remember from my from my time uh, being into comics and the x-men in the 90s I kind of abruptly just like dropped comic books. This wasn't too long after Age of Apocalypse ended. It was like within a year. Uh, that whole crossover, which I got like all of and I loved. But I got into music. I started playing the guitar and I decided that I was going to dedicate all my time to that because I wanted to be good at it. So I still played, you know, video games occasionally, but I just didn't have time for comic books anymore. And I wasn't even aware of what was happening to the business at the time. There was that huge comic book crash, which was occurring as I was like reading comic books and then getting out of it. So a lot of these stores closed down. And X Men Evolution was on between 2000 and 2003. Like Patty said, I didn't even know about the fucking show. Uh, I used to see like a couple of billboards for like the movie, but when I would go to the mall, but other than that, like I had no exposure to the X Men at all. Like I said, it was all music. And then, you know, I was a teenager and I was partying and, you know, all that kind of other stuff. And so it was years until I got back into the X Men and. When YouTube became a thing, this was around 2005 ish. 2006 that i started going on youtube and i'm not even sure what got me looking into this but I, maybe i looked up like the x-men animated series or something like that but then x-men evolution came up and back then before like all these big corporations were like get my shit off your youtube like i watched the entire series on youtube like episode one i watched every episode of it and i fucking loved that show uh, obviously, it's not that faithful to the it's comics, not at all. but they did something different that somehow worked so well. I mean, maybe the writers on it were just that good, but taking a bunch of the X-Men and making them teenagers and high schoolers, for whatever reason, just worked. You know, the drama, like the little love triangles, you know, the brotherhood being like school bullies.
0: Can I just say how much of a crush that i had on avalanche being like this bad boy rebel like when i was like eight to eleven or whatever i was just like oh he's so hot
1: i was so happy (laughs) that they put him in x-men evolution you know i mean my my whole love of pyro obviously started with that x-force cover but seeing pyro and avalanche together in x-men the animated series made me really happy but now in X-Men Evolution, like he Avalanche was a main character. Even though they changed his costume and his name, like I still loved it. And by the way, if, if you never realized it, like they've changed Avalanche's name in the comics a couple of times, but it ended on something very Greek. So it's like Dominikos Yanni Petrakis. Like you can't really get more Greek than that unless you're sitting at a diner eating a gyro um, in Crete. But they changed his name to Lance Alvers. So now, if you put that, like, Alvers, comma, Lance, so it's Alvers, Lance, yeah, Avalanche, do you get it? No. Do, do you get it? No, I hate it. Alvers, Lance? No. Sounds like Avalanche. Nope. Do you get it now? No. You get it. I don't get it. You get it. Shut up. And they <laughs> they changed Toad's name from Mortimer Toynbee, which, which I don't know, I kind of has a nice ring to it, but they decided to change it to Todd Tolanski.
0: Oh, yeah, they made it in Polish.
1: yeah i thought that was an interesting choice and they gave him his little own his his own song i remember he he ruined i forget whose date it was oh yeah it was kurt kurt went on a on a on a date with i think amanda sefton uh he had his image inducer he was like visiting uh her house and and toad came to like find him and like ruined his date but he had his own like catch song. It was like T O A D Toad. I was like, I don't know. I thought I thought that was funny. But yeah, it was a great show. And then, you know, I discovered X-23 on that show. I was like, what the fuck is this? And then, you know, I get on Wikipedia and I start reading about her and this was like by 2006, so she had been given like her own mini series and she was regularly appearing in the series out at the time New X-Men. That's kind of when I got back into comics was around... Was actually 2006 when I discovered who X-23 was. And then I discovered eBay and I I went on eBay and I ordered that miniseries by Craig Kyle and Chris Yost and it blew my fucking mind. Absolutely blew my mind. What they did with her was amazing. To me, she wasn't just some sort of cheap knockoff of Wolverine. She was... Like, a really, really tragic character. And as opposed to him, who always forgets, like, his origin and where to come from. My memories, I can't remember. You know? She knew exactly where she came from. And that shit was dark. Like, I felt deep, sad feelings after I read that. You know? spoiler: She kills her mom. She, yeah. She kills her mom.
0: And she was cutting herself, and she was being a prostitute. Like, that's kind of a shitty life.
1: You know? A little bit? Yeah. It's kind of... I don't... I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, so... You know, after almost like a decade of just not paying attention to the X-Men or comics at all, you know, I I got back into it. I found out that Pyro died. I was really fucking sad when I read that. So I I got that issue and and that was really sad. But yeah, so then I started collecting again and it was only a couple of books, but then it slowly built up. Um, I started getting new X-Men every month and then X-Force Volume 3 every month by Craig Kyle, Chris Yost, and Clayton Crane. Clayton Crane's now my favorite artist. You know, I fucking love his artwork. And uh,
0: yeah. Man crush.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So that's a good jumping point for me to get in. Okay, so I don't know how I saw this, but I somehow came across a picture of X-23. I was trying to think about how I saw it. It might have been on Facebook or MySpace or whatever social media was popular back then. But I saw a cover of X-23's second series called Target X. So this was 2007. I was in love for the first time in my life. I was a 15-year-old metalhead and an edgelord. (laughs) I didn't know anything about her. I must have skipped those episodes of Evolution and I was so mad at myself that I could have known about this crazy bitch for years.
1: Well, she's only in two episodes, to
0: well, be fair. Well, still, I could have like gotten her first volume. Yeah. So that day, I looked up comic stores around me and I made my mom take me there because I couldn't drive yet. I was 15. I bought the trade of Target X, Actually, no, I bought the uh, individual issues because it was, like, just coming out. I remember the woman who was working there who I see now every Wednesday because I go there every week. She, she She knew that she didn't see me before, and she was trying to, like, make an effort to be nice. And she suggested that if I liked X23 that I should get NYX. And I had already done my research. So I was already looking on the shelves for the trade of it. And I'm really mad at myself that I didn't buy the individual issues like of her first appearance because they probably had it honestly back then probably. and probably not for that much money. <laughs> and that is that is a huge regret that I have to this day. I didn't realize like I guess how much comic books could go for or like yeah. You know, it was like my first experience into comics when I was 15. I didn't know anything about it. You know, I, at this point, I didn't know that comics came out every Wednesday. Mm. Uh, I didn't know like where to look to see what comic books were coming out every week. Like, I didn't know how to do it. You know, I didn't know how to be a fan of comics. So I wasn't regularly going to the comic book store because I was like, well, you know, which X-Men books are coming out now? And she was like, oh, well, there's, you know, seven of them or something. And I was like, well, which ones do I read? You know, like- <laughs> All of them. I'm like, "What? what is X-Factor? You know, like what is whatever. After that, I kind of just like read things sporadically on my tablet or on my computer without like regularly going to the comic book store. I would just kind of pick up trades of, whatever every so often i was really anxious going into the comic book store though so a lot of times i would order stuff online or like i said just read stuff online because um You know, I felt uncomfortable going in there by myself. I felt like I didn't really know what I was doing and like people were judging me. (laughs) Um, Now you get to judge people. Yeah, now (laughs) I get to judge people. But like it was actually still like that after I was going there for years, even when I was with Jonathan uh, going there. And, you know, I told him, I'm like, yeah, sometimes I feel uncomfortable in here. I kind of pretty much got over that by now after, you know, many years of going there every week. So, you know, I was kind of like on and off with comics for a few years after reading NYX and Target X. This guy I was friends with at the time uh, knew that I liked X23, so he bought me the first uh, issue of her next series. And so I was reading that too. And, um,. I had started on the long quest to read every issue of X-Men back in 2013. Before I met Jonathan, I had gotten through quite a lot of them. One of the first times that, like, he was talking to me, I was reading X-Men on my tablet, and he was, like, looking over my shoulder and talking to me about the X-Men. I was like, oh, my God, I, like finally met somebody who like you know loves the x-men as much as i do and knows about the x-men as much as i do that was that was another experience with the x-men for me you know through the x-men i kind of like found the love of my life so (laughs)
1: the x-men brings people together yeah yeah as far as like going to the comic book stores, like when I got older, you know, I, this is when I found out that there weren't as many around. Uh, but you know, so I, I mean, I looked them up, and this one that was in a, a mall nearby was still there, and so I went there. Not long after I started going there to get like the books, the oh, like only like maybe like the two books that were coming out at the time, or one or two that I was actually buying, they moved to another town, and I started going there every week. And you know, like I started to say before, like what I started getting increased over time. Like I was getting more X-Men titles. I was getting more of other titles too, like other things that I was reading at the time, um, but primarily X-Men related stuff. And then, you know, like Messiah Complex started and I was getting all of that. And that, you know, led, led me to start reading more X-Men books regularly. <clears throat> and then I knew about uh, this place. Um, it's called the Joker's Child that we go to now. It's in Fairlawn, New Jersey. I knew that they were there, but the the one that I was going to called Collector's Comic Shop was closer to me, so that's you know where I was going. Uh, I would go on like Marvel.com and check what was coming out uh, every week, um, although they got it wrong a lot of the time. I would then I eventually started going on PreviewsWorld.com, uh, but I would call up and you know if I wasn't able to get there like when they opens, you know the guy would pull the books that I wanted aside and, like, leave it aside for me with my name on it. You know, it was kind of like a pull list, but it didn't have to be that official. Like, it could change from week to week, uh, and he would just go grab whatever I wanted, and that was perfect. They abruptly closed one day. I saw them at the end of one week, because I-, I stopped in an additional day to get something, and I was like, all right, see you on Wednesday, and then they were closed. And they were closed <laughs> for good. And that was really scary. So then I called up Joker's Child, and that's where my relationship started with them. I started going there every week. They are, it, it's it's a great store. They have tons of stuff. They will order whatever you need. As long as it's still out there, they'll get it for you. And they're pretty nice to their customers. Uh, obviously, if you're not a complete prick, uh, and you know there are and have been some pricks that shop there, but we have a great relationship with them and, um, you know, it's an absolutely wonderful store. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of just how my life went. Uh, I was just getting my comics, reading them every week, going through life working. And then I decided to go back to school because, uh, I couldn't find another job very easily. And, you know, this was not too long after the recession. So that was difficult as it was. And I decided to go back and try college again and get my associates degree. And, um, You know, that's where I remember the first time I saw Patty. And she was sitting in the hallway outside of a class that we wound up having together. It was the first day of class, and she was on her tablet. And I'm thinking, and she's got her phone there. and I'm thinking like, oh, she's really, really pretty. She probably has a boyfriend or something (laughs) like that. And I was trying to figure out how old she was because I knew that I was, like, one of the older ones at the school. Like, obviously, there are, like, parents who are in their, like, 40s and 50s that were going to community college. But, you know, I was 29 at the time, and I'm like, everybody here is probably, like, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. And then, you know, our, uh, the class that we had together, our uh, professor had us do this introduction post on the class's uh, website, and, you know, I posted how I loved, uh, you know, like, Super Nintendo and, like, old-school Nintendo games and comic books, and then she commented on my post, and then I read her post, and it was about loving Deadpool and, like, old-school video games like Mega Man, and I was like, oh, my God, I have to go talk to this girl. <laughs> and uh, so I did, and uh, it was very scary. Um, and you know, we started out as, you know, obviously we started out as, as friends, but you know, she told me what she was doing. She was reading through every single issue of <laughs> X-Men and I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like I wish, I wish I had the time even now, a few years later to do that. There are, I know a, a lot about the X-Men and I know a lot about their history offhand, but I can't sit here and say to you that I've read every X-Men comic. There has been a lot of stuff that I, I've missed, you know? I've managed to get my hands on old books and read them. Like I know a lot of the stuff that's gone on, but I've I've never done that. And she's read every single issue, and not just the X-Men, but a lot of like the spin-off titles too. But, you know, I she's into comic books. So I'm like, well, let me tell her about this story. I'm like, do you go to Joker's Child? And um, you know, so then that started to be a thing, you know, when when we would hang out. This is this was one of my ways of slowly wooing her. It's like, hey, I know how we can hang out let me get this girl to come to the comic book store with me. So that's kind of that's kind of how it started, you know. And then I know this isn't all about, like, how Patty and I got together. But, you know, that's, you know, then she started coming regularly to the comic book shop with me and got used to the people there. So now she's at a point where she's reading all the current stuff that's going on. And, um, you know, we're both reading other titles other than the X-Men. Obviously, we're most excited about the X-Men titles, but... So you know that's kind of where we're, out, we're at. We're today. Just really quick though, I want to touch on this because I, I don't. We can't. We we can't talk about like our histories with the X Men without me bringing this up. Even though I didn't see it when it came out, and I had no idea that the arcade game that I was playing was based on this. There was that Pride of the X Men cartoon that came out in 1989 that I first watched somewhere in my twenties. It was narrated by Stanley. I'm sure if you, you're an X-Men fan and you're listening to this, chances are you've seen it. If you haven't, go find it. It's one episode with good reason. There's a really good reason why it never got picked up because it was awful. First of all, Wolverine had an Australian accent. And I got Patty to watch that with me. <laughs> and when Wolverine opened his mouth, she let out the best laugh that I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. This was, like, the most ridiculous, corny cartoon in the world. I'm really happy that Pyro was in there, but this was just a really bad cartoon. Do you remember watching that with me? This was well over three years ago now.
0: Yeah, I I didn't until you rem- reminded me about Wolverine's fucking accent. She just and- the kid! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I don't even remember that much about this. I probably tried blocking it out of my mind, but we should watch it again.
1: We should watch it again. Um, So yeah, so this is what that arcade game was based off of. Uh, At my last job uh i did i was a dj for kids parties and my boss you know tried to make you know the waiting area kind of attractive so he got like a couple of arcades so he got a four player not the full six player version but he got the four player version of the x-men arcade game and when i was like off of work I, i remember playing through it you know i had the key to get into where the quarters go so i was able to just hit the little switch and give myself like unlimited lives and i played through that whole thing and uh it was, you know, it's it's a fun game, uh, it's it's a little ridiculous, especially Magneto's dialogue at the ends, um, like, I'll we'll kill you, I'm Magneto, Master of Magnet, like, what the fuck, but finally, you know, in, like, my 20s, I got to play through and, and beat that game, uh, and that game was, was a lot of fun, it was a great, great beat-em-up, um, and I didn't even have to spend all my money on it either to beat it, so there are a few creators that I want to talk about that we've met at conventions. But before we get to that, is
0: there anything else you want to add? Uh, yeah, I forgot to mention this, but I think that it needs to be said. Uh
1: oh, I'm so sorry in advance if she offends you. Patty's opinions do not reflect my opinions or Geekade's opinions as a whole.
0: No, no, it's it's <laughs> it's cute. Thank you. It was the uh, second class that we had together after we made the forum post. Uh Uh, Jonathan came up to me. I was sitting at this table and he came up to me and he was like, are you Lady Deadpool? And I was just like, who the fuck is this nerd? Oh my God. Yeah, that was my opening line. Yeah, that was... Excuse
1: me, are you Lady Deadpool? That was my opening
0: line. Yeah, yeah. And, you know... 3 years later, here I am with the love of my life. Yeah,
1: with that fucking dork. I saw her sitting at the table and I I I went to go pee just in case before I sat down and tried to talk to her cuz I didn't want to mess myself in front of a pretty lady. So, yeah, yeah, so, so there you go. so yeah, so we've been obviously we've been together er- ever since, uh, and now we can share our nerd them with each other. um, but you know, one thing that i I've been able to do since I've met Patty and, and I never thought of, like you know, I knew that conventions were out there, but I just never thought like, oh, let me fucking spend money and go by myself. <laughs> I popped his nerd
0: cherry, <clears throat> yeah,
1: so i I never really went to legitimate conventions. And so I met her, and so that's that's what we've done. We've, obviously, we've gone to New York Comic-Con a couple of times, and we're going again this year. Uh, got Saturday tickets. Today, they went on sale this morning. And so I've been able to meet and talk to a bunch of different creators, not just like X-Men creators and writers, but other people too. But there are a few people that I want to talk about in particular. So, you know, I've had a love of Pyro since, uh, obviously, for a very long time. And so, you know, Chris Claremont, is sitting there and you know patty's dressed up in her her phoenix outfit and uh i i figured you know i'm I'm gonna ask him like i i don't i don't know where where would he have gotten inspiration for pyro from is there anything there is is claremont a former smoker was he just (laughs) staring at the fireplace one day and thinking oh okay let me do this So I was like, that's, that's, you know, I kind of just prefaced it with like, I I don't know what your answer is going to be. I don't know if there even was any inspiration, but did you have any inspiration for creating Pyro? And And this is
0: where Jonathan got all of his hopes and dreams broken.
1: Claremont says, no, because I didn't create him. And I just was in shock.
0: Your pants.
1: I was like, uh, yeah, you did." Uncanny X Men number one forty one, Days of Future Pass. and he goes, "Oh, well, then I guess I did." And um, I spent the rest of con- the convention crying and questioning my entire life. Yep, um, it's true. I was there. It was. Uh, it was. It was pretty bad. No, I, in all honesty, I I didn't even think that. Oh, maybe the guy doesn't remember that he created him, but I figure you know claremont knew about at least like the x-men movies shit he had a cameo in one of the x-men movies like you must know that pyro is in those movies and you've got to think yeah all right so there's this character that that i i've written and i created in there and he just he didn't even remember and i've tried so hard to let go of that resentment um, to no avail. To really no avail. I I want answers. And he, It's okay,
0: Pumpkin. He gave me no answers. I'm um, sorry.
1: So yeah, so then we also met Rob Liefeld. Who made me cry? All right. Well, that's, that's another story for another time. But my thing with Liefeld was, you know, it was his art that actually got me in, really got me into comics, especially mutants and particularly pyro. I want a divorce. Well, you know what? There you go. Um, fine. Then I'm going to take that Lady Deadpool poster no, that he signed no. back, right? All right. He,
0: he gave me a Lady... Jonathan, not Rob Liefeld. <laughs> Jonathan gave me a Lady Deadpool poster from that closed comic book shop yeah. uh, before we were dating in an effort to woo me.
1: Yeah, th- those those guys, there were only a few guys that worked there. They, they loved me and they'd get promotional posters and ask me if I wanted them. So even Liefeld was surprised to see that thing. I guess it was limited, but yeah, I gave it to Patty because I was like, listen, you know, like I I love Deadpool, but this girl really loves Deadpool. So let me give this to her. And And
0: she's cute.
1: And she got it. And I
0: want to fuck her. (laughs) Right?
1: Yeah. But that's not the kind of stuff I said out loud. It's the kind of stuff I said to my friends. (laughs) You're such a dick. (laughs) So, you know, it wasn't just Pyro that I loved back then. Too. I, I I thought Fantasia was a really cool character. I don't know why. I was just drawn to, like, these mysterious characters. Uh, I explained this to Nisieza too, when I when I met him. But I, I was talking to, to Liefeld about this. And I, you know, I asked him, like, wh- why didn't she get utilized much, you know, throughout the 90s and even throughout today? Why do you think? You know, obviously, because he's not going to know the official answer. He left Marvel to go for an image and he was just like, well, when we left, you know, I I guess they just didn't want to use the characters that we came up with anymore. And, you know, that wasn't really a plausible explanation because she was still getting utilized, but really just still a background character. I'm going to tie this in with the... Uh, conversation I had with Nisieza and this was only a few weeks ago when we went to East Coast Comic Con. You know, I brought some stuff for for him to sign too, all Pyro and Fantasia related stuff. And I asked him about it.
0: He was bald.
1: He is. Ba- he 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 was and is bald, um, <laughs> which is fine.
0: Yeah. Uh, he was really nice.
1: He was a really nice guy. I w- I really didn't want it to come off like I was offending him and really giving him shit. I just have a very sarcastic sense of humor but i was like you killed my favorite character and you never developed this this character and i'm pointing to the image of her on the page that i want him to sign and he's like who phantasm
0: and i'm like oh my yeah, god dude. yes he uh, he <laughs> uh, decided to change fantasia's name in his head out loud oh uh, he called her phantasm at least 3 separate times after we corrected her <laughs> after we corrected
1: him uh I'm like, but I'm pointing to the panels in in that, um, you know, it, it, what was it? It was uh, X-Men Unlimited, I think, number two or whatever. This is, um, you know, they're all on a boat. Fantasia doesn't have her costume on. She's wearing the purple bikini. She's reading a book on astrophysics. I'm like, dude, what is this about? You made her smart. And he he explained it to me. He was like, listen, you know, before this, like the creation of her character in X-Force, like Rob meaning Liefeld Rob was not only the artist but he was coming up with the stories too he didn't create all the dialogue and all like the little pieces but he created the story so I meaning Nisieza, I was writing dialogue based off of his stories and when he didn't give me much to work with for a given character there wasn't very much that I could do and he was like yeah so by this point in x men unlimited like i tried to throw something in there basically like you know this this book on astrophysics but you know at that point there wasn't there wasn't much i could do for her and then you know she kind of just faded away and you know i know Nisieza was doing the x book still for like a couple more years but I know it's not all up to him. I mean, I'm sure that there were a lot of other factors that need to be taken into consideration, and I wasn't really giving him a hard time. I'm happy that I met him. Um, yeah he
0: was really nice we really liked was. him he gave us a hug
1: yeah yeah he, he did he signed the pages that i wanted him to sign
0: he was talking to us for like 20 minutes even though there was a huge line of people
1: yeah he was a really really cool guy i saw him um he uh, one of the fans in front of us online like i guess wanted him to leave a voicemail yeah for someone using his phone so that was really cool he just seemed like all around a really nice guy and there's not really much to talk about here, but we also met the
0: Simonsons. Oh, my God. I, I mean, asked them to adopt me. They were <laughs> so cute.
1: I mean, obviously, uh, you know, really, Louise is is the one who um, did the most. On she wrote Xbox. my
0: favorite story of the X-Men, which was Inferno, or she wrote part of it. I told her that. Okay, so this was funny. We first met her at New York Comic Con, and Chris Claremont was in the <laughs> same row okay. as Louise. And uh, I think Louise and Walt were sharing a table too. They they're just so cute and they're
1: really nice. They're people.
0: yeah, and they have like a local house around here or something. I brought new mutants to be signed because she worked on the first issue doing something. She was at least an editor or something. I forgot what she did. And I uh, I brought X ex- uh, or no, not XLs, uh what was it called? Exterminators. exterminators. I brought Exterminators. I told her, I'm like, you know, you wrote, you're, you're my favorite writer. And I wish that you did more X-Men stuff. And, you know, you wrote my favorite crossover with Inferno. And, um, you know, I loved magic to begin with, but making her Dark Child was so amazing. And I loved that story so much. And, like, you know, you're my favorite writer. And Chris Claremont was sitting right next to her you know, talking to her and, you know, interrupting people who wanted to talk <laughs> to her on her line. She was like, oh, well, you should get this man to sign it too because he's responsible for creating these characters. And I was like, nah, that's all right.
1: See, <laughs> all right. Well, to be fair, Claremont wasn't paying attention at that point. Like, honestly, I don't want to insult the guy right, right to his face. I'm sure he's very nice. We did see a panel with him at New York, uh, like, the following year, and he seemed like a nice guy. But it was funny because I brought in um, X-Men Chaos War. Uh, I don't really know anything about that storyline, but I saw X-Men Chaos War on it, and I read, like, oh, Thunderbird's going to be in this, and I'm like, well, shit, I got to pick this up. And, um, yeah, I guess both Claremont and Louise worked on that, and so I wanted her to sign it. And so, yeah, so she said the same thing, like, you know, we'll have Chris Chris, um, sign it, and, you know... Then I told her the story of how he forgot how he yeah. created my favorite character. So that was funny, but she was really nice and really sweet. And then when we we met uh, her and her husband at Garden State Comic Fest last summer... They uh they were willing to sit down to do an interview with us and like just like no problem. It wasn't even like, oh, we're from this big fucking website or this big whatever, and it's just like could we interview you? And they're like, Yeah, sure. And so we just like sit down with them and just immediately Walt just starts talking. Like I don't I don't even get any questions off. <laughs> He's just talking about the business and Louise Louise is jumping in here and there and uh but it's just cool to have, and it was cool to sit down with them just because of how pleasant they were, how, how nice people they were. You know, I was even were...
0: bullshitting with them about, like, dogs. Oh, yeah, you and, were. And, like, because they, they had lived, uh, like, the town next to us or something like that, and I was, like, talking about this uh, puppy store that they had that was, like, really shady, and the guy had gotten arrested, and, like, yeah. he was doing, like, really fucked up shit he- he eventually got shut down, but I was talking to them about that, and then we were just talking about dogs and fucking whatever, you know? They were just so cute, and I asked them to adopt me.
1: <laughs> yeah, so they were really nice people. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's cool now meeting some of these people and just, like, you know, kind of having nerdgasms when uh when when we go to conventions.
0: Oh, and I invited Nicieza and the Simonsons to our wedding, which I want to be X-Men themed, too. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, so I mean that kind of that kind of, you know, brings us through the history of of our love for the X-Men where it's boners. Where yeah, our our X-Boners where they've come from and and how they've survived over time. And um, you know, now we've got resurrection going on and uh cautiously optimistic for it, but regardless, we've got all these new X titles and I know that there are some people on the internet that are really just kind of you know, not fans of some of what they're doing in the X books now or even in Marvel Comics in general. but I don't know i I like stories, um
0: yeah, people who don't like the o five can suck my dick. Like what are we gonna <laughs> just recycle the same old stories over and over again, like fucking arcade and magneto are bad and oh no they're attacking and oh no sentinels and oh fucking i don't care sauron whatever you know we have to have something new it can't just be the same fucking shit all new all different yeah it can't be the same like enemies attacking over and over like that's not interesting that's what we had in the 80s and it was terrible yeah well i i don't i don't
1: necessarily need all this like restarting from number one
0: no that's stupid but
1: I I, give us
0: something different
1: yeah I'm I'm happy with you know them changing the status quo even if you know sometimes the stories aren't the best at least you know there's stuff going on it's like MJ
0: pissed me off but it was something
1: it's it's moving forward the narrative of the x-men yes and that's what I'm really happy for even if you don't like the writers that's gonna change yeah like it's gonna change in a few years and it's gonna be okay and i don't plan on ever dropping the x titles in in the foreseeable future and i just hope the x-men are around for you know another 50 100 years or at least until i die
0: yeah same and i'm um, gonna be phoenix now and forever <laughs> i am firing life incarnate
1: okay That'll do it for this special episode of Mutant Musings. Remember to check out geekade.com for new content almost every single day and one million to save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook for news, trivia, merchandise, and more. We'll be back in a few short weeks with your regularly scheduled programming. And until then, Phantasm was right.